Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream for Wednesday. It is uh, January 5th, 2022. Hello, I'm Aaron Schatz, the uh, editor-in-chief of Football Outsiders, joined by Mike Tanier and Brian Knowles to take all your questions. We want to thank everybody who's watching us today, whether you're watching us on Twitch or YouTube or Twitter or Facebook or in the widget in the corner of the site or you're listening to us after the fact of the Football Outsiders Podcast Network, you should really be watching the Wednesday shows live because we really, I mean, we take a lot of questions every day, honestly, but Wednesday shows, we really take a lot of questions and uh, we want your questions, especially with the playoffs coming up and lots of questions to ask about the playoff teams. I was just in the middle of saying right before the little countdown that says that we're on the air, <laughs> coming up with tomorrow's show where we preview the games was sort of difficult because finding games that really matter to both teams this week is really difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, there's like two. <laughs> we just spend a half hour talking about Raiders Chargers. Yeah, we're just going to talk a lot of Los Angeles football this week tomorrow oh, because a lot like a lot of our previews tomorrow are going to be. So if Houston can upset Tennessee, what does that look like? Like <laughs> Jacksonville over Indianapolis. What like games that matter for the playoffs? Like Jacksonville, well, Indianapolis matters a lot for the playoffs. But like Jaguars on, on Jaguars on a six-game home winning streak against the Colts. You never know. Anything's possible. Yeah. On the <laughs> other hand, Jaguars played their worst game of the season last week against the Patriots and um moved into last place in DVOA. Go Falcons go. Go Falcons go. Falcons up to yes, very much. seventh in weighted. Uh 27th in weighted and uh, 30th in overall. And yes, Todd Singer's right. The Colts have not won at Jacksonville since 2014. But that does not include Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz has not been losing at Jacksonville, so you never know. I believe that Carson Wentz is one and oh in end of season games where the team needs to make the playoffs. I believe he is 1-0. He was healthy once, and he helped the Eagles overcome the mighty Giants uh, in 2019. So you got that to look forward to. Colts only beat Jacksonville 23-17 this year. God, was it that close? That's why it's tough when people when people criticize the, the DVOA for putting a lot of importance on blowing out a bad team like Jacksonville – well, it matters that the Patriots hung a 50-burger on this team that beat Buffalo right. and came within six of beating Indy. Like, Jacksonville has, like, it's not college football. Like, Jacksonville is not freaking Massachusetts. Right. You know, like, they're not, the, the line for the games against Jacksonville may be 16 or 17. It's not 40, like if Alabama yeah. played UMass or something, you know, like. Really, really slamming the Minutemen today. You got <laughs> this. An, this an old rivalry thing with Brown or something? No, What's there's that? no rivalry. Between <laughs> <laughs> UMass would probably kick Brown's ass. Honestly. The rivalry is with URI. That's that's Brown's rivalry. Is Rhode Is University of Rhode Island? Cool. What, what, what's their mascot? What's Rhode the Rams? I should have known that. Okay. okay. The Brown Bears against the URI Rams because they put wow. they play for the Governor's Cup. Surprised that's not on ESPN on prime time every year. It's you know it's sad when they got rid of um, when they took FCS teams out of uh, NCAA football. That was kind of sad because it removed my chance to play the Governor's Cup. There were all kinds of good you know FCS rivalries and like black college football rivalries. Like you know they used to have Southern and Grambling in the game and all that. Like you know, they took all that stuff out. Then there was there was a game at one point. I'm really getting off topic here, but isn't that the point of the Ask Me Anything show? There was a independent. Uh, there was a, an independent college football game called Doug Williams College Football, Ooh. where you played as HBCUs, and there was a halftime show contest, which was like a rhythm game, like Guitar Hero, where you played with HBCU marching bands. There was a marching band simulation game. Yeah, that was what I had halftime. You had a marching band simulation game. Oh, my God. So, finally, something me and my sons could play together. I love the idea. How come that never caught on? Because they took the HBCUs out. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, they had to stop doing NCAA football altogether, although now it's kind of come back because of um, 
NFI or whatever the acronym is for actually paying players. Mm. College football is supposed to come back. NCAA football is supposed to come back. But when they took the they took the FCS teams out of the game, that meant no more HBCUs. So, and I, the only other the only other marching band that I think of as being as big a deal as the HBCU marching bands is Ohio State. Ohio State, right. and that's just because they put the dot in the eye. <laughs> they were playing Rush in the halftime show the other day. They switched over because they rarely show the marching bands anymore. They switch over to Ohio State, and they were playing Spirit of the Radio. That is. That is definitely one of the things that I think gives college football a different feel than the NFL. Mm -hmm. The fact that in the NFL, the music is all like recorded, like mostly hip hop and some classic rock. Mm -hmm. And in college, you have all the marching bands. It definitely is something that makes college football feel different from NFL football. Washington used to have their marching band, but I think they fell off the uh, railing a couple of years ago. <laughs> right, and the Ravens have the Baltimore Colts marching band. Yes, yes. Who are still, I believe, called the Baltimore Colts marching band. But yes, um, I did not know URI is Chip Kelly's alma mater. I thought UNH was Chip Kelly's alma mater, or is that just where he got his coaching? That's where he got coach, his coaching. He coached there, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if you've heard, by the way, but apparently, speaking of URI and UMass. Apparently in New England, we no longer have accents. You don't have what? Accents. Really? Oh, yes. Yes. Right. Brian Kelly, the new head coach of the Louisiana State Tigers, was asked yesterday during LSU's bowl game about that weird Southern accent thing that he did. And he said something like, I'm from Boston. We don't really have accents. Really? And don't let me fool you because I didn't live here till I was 13. So I don't have an accent, but um, everybody around me does. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I've, I've been up there. Everyone talks like Cliff Clavin. It's true. I'm not going to try to do it. Like, is, like so, other than Southern accents in general, like, is there a place in America that has a more like clearly defined accent <laughs> than Boston? Like, what a ridiculous statement that is. <laughs> <laughs> What? Dodd Singer says the other big difference is time commitment. Uh, I went to the Music City Bowl and it lasted over four and a half hours. God. Is that because bowl games have a really long halftime show, or is that because all the times they stop play to review because instead of coaches' challenges, they have the booth upstairs decides to challenge whatever they damn well feel like? There, there's that. They just when they do a stoppage, they just do a stoppage. They'll let the band play a song. The NFL is pretty rigid about this. If you watch just about any college football game and really just watch that game, you'll notice how much longer it is. Like most of us are click, 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 or we're watching three at the bar or whatever. You don't notice how much longer they are. If you are in the um, booth and you're trying to cover that game and, and think about when you're getting home, you notice it. Reminds me that uh, to, to tell everybody tomorrow's show at 1 p.m. Eastern tomorrow, Parker Fleming will be here to preview Alabama and Georgia, which should be interesting because I believe that our advanced stats like Alabama, even though Georgia is the favorite. So there should be some good. I mean, I know that I look, I'm not a hardcore college football guy, so it's hard for me to say I'm sick of anything, but I'm okay. sick of Alabama. <laughs> and i also feel like as a patriots fan i'm not allowed to say that because this is how everybody feels about the patriots but i'm sick of alabama question for tanya if you had to give up hats or the beard which would go the hat i rarely wear it socially um, i'm hiding some real scruff today i might go hatless tomorrow if my uh, barber is off quarantine and able to uh take me at noon so you may see the hatless version of me tomorrow. Beardless version, who knows? That's something I always say for a bet. So maybe if we get an Eagles-Patriots uh, Super Bowl, uh, we could talk about a bet involving beards. But so. P-Funk says, I saw you predicted a Cowboys versus Chiefs Super Bowl before the season. I did. Yeah. How much do I believe in the Cowboys given their DVOA? I am not a believer. Um, I am a believer in the Cowboys, and I'll give two reasons why, and then I'll give a reason why not. The ma main reason uh, reasons why, first of all, the penalties have been a really big part of their games, which is what Mike wrote about today in Walkthrough. And there's been a little bit of more randomness in their games because of the penalties, and it's caused them to lose some games that they might have won otherwise. Um, and that's one of the reasons why DVOA has them higher than like EPA methods that like do include penalties. 
The other thing is, um, just as we felt at midseason that Patrick Mahomes would snap out of this, I feel like there is a good chance that Dak Prescott will snap out of this. Like the long term, our knowledge of Dak Prescott long term is that he is one of the top quarterbacks in the league. And my feeling is that in the long term, just like it was good to bet on Mahomes still being really good, I think it is still good to bet on Mah on, on Prescott not uh, Prescott still being really good. Now, the reasons why I, I would not believe in the Cowboys making the Super Bowl are, number one, they're probably going to be the fourth seed, and it's very likely that the fifth seed is a better team than the sixth, and especially, well, I guess it depends on San Francisco because DVOA really likes San Francisco. But, mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to have to play the Rams in the first round. If the Rams are five, I would not want the Cowboys to have to play them. Well, the Cardinals the are just offense is more predictive than defense. And part of the reason the Cowboys are so high is the Cowboys are number one on defense. And that's especially given how dependent they've been on turnovers. That's a little less likely to continue than like the Prescott slump might be a little bit more likely to continue than the, than the Cowboys being number one on defense. And even if Prescott unslumps, he's still not the number one quarterback in the league. He's like the number six quarterback in the league or five or whatever. So, I mean, I would love to see it happen. Uh, I like to be right, <laughs> and I would love a Chiefs-Cowboys Super Bowl so I could like be like, look at the pick I made. And also, uh, when I was in Vegas on vacation, I put money on the Cowboys to make the Super Bowl, so I would win money. That would be nice, too. But um, I don't think it's likely to happen, but I think it's more likely to happen than other people think it is. I'm here with that. Yeah. <laughs> Seconded. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, 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 the other reason why the Cowboys are really high risk, high reward is the Trevon Diggs, mm -hmm. right? Like, I think the PFF guys have been talking about this, but the Sports Info Solutions numbers are similar. Like, he's given up a ridiculous amount of yardage and coverage, and he also has all those picks. Yeah. Right. He's out of the gun. He hits a home run or strikes out near, on nearly yeah. every play. Right. Although yeah. he's often against the number one on an island a lot too which is a factor you have to put into that oh i yeah i mean i, I agree absolutely is, right. is i i mean i'm not i'm not gonna pick trayvon diggs for my all pro team right but it doesn't mean i think trayvon diggs is having a bad season if right. i could pick four cornerbacks for my all pro team instead of two i probably would make the fourth one trayvon diggs so who you got jackson and right well i was gonna go ramsey and jackson yeah but now I'm leaning towards going Ramsey and Terrell. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Terrell has slipped ahead of Jackson in SIS's points saved. And, um, and he does have the better overall charting stats. Jackson sort of gives you like halfway between Terrell and Diggs in that his charting stats aren't as, his cover stats are not as good as Terrell's, but they're better than Diggs. And he has more interceptions than Terrell, but not as many as Diggs. So I, I was going to go Ramsey and Jackson, but now I think I'm going Ramsey and Terrell. Um, P-Funk says, did McCarthy become a good coach? Well, I guess that that's the other reason to be against the idea that Dallas might make the Super Bowl. But, you know, listen, McCarthy, first of all, for all that we diss him for some of his decisions, he is nice and aggressive on fourth downs. And second... Uh, the, the man's made the Super Bowl before, so it's not like it's impossible. Yeah, he's not a bad coach. He's just been not in that top tier. and he, it's, it's quite possible he'll be out coached somewhere. But there are a lot of teams right now who would take Mike McCarthy if, if he had if he's available today. So Yeah. Right. CCX3 says, Prescott has a fairly recent demonstrably lower floor than Mahomes? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I guess I was comparing like the style of how we talk about them, but no, I mean, Mahomes is yeah. Mahomes. Is Mahomes. Um, Mike Kurtz asks, uh, well, let's get to the Cincinnati question later and ask this first. Joe Thomas Memorial Draft has the Eagles taking Justin Jefferson. Should the birds actually consider taking a wide receiver with that Dolphins pick in the 2022 draft? Probably, maybe. I need to see how the uh, offseason unfolds in terms of who's here, 
here here in Philadelphia uh, next season on the defensive line, on the offensive line in terms of aging out. Roseman is going to be looking two years down the road in the draft. That said, I want to not see Jalen Rieger anymore. And I speak for most lovers of football, most Philadelphia fans, where I was like, I have to see Smitty and X as the other receiver. And the other receiver, like ideally it's sort of a possession guy, a move the sticks guy, not another screen and hope, which is what Rieger is. So uh, got three first rounders. You say take a wide receiver with one of them. Yeah, go for it. I have no problem with that. Yeah, when I when I made the pick, it was I was go, deciding between Jefferson and either T.J. Watt or Miles Garrett. And, you, know, <laughs> you you could go either way. Right. And th- there was just more uh, edge rushers available when when they came back around. Uh, I think I got uh, Jaguars Josh Allen so to add to their team for the playoff run. So the Justin Jefferson is I don't want to see Jalen Rager in the playoffs. I don't think anyone wants to see him in the playoffs. He's not any good. Right. You, you were channeling the entire bar. Yes that I go to when you say Justin Jefferson for the Eagles. So that was that was a, a, a prescient pick. Who, who is a bigger disappointment, Jalen Rager or Nikhil Harry? Who? Because there's an argument. I feel like Rager has done more as a receiver, but there is an argument that gets made around here that Nikhil Harry is an excellent blocker. Okay. Like That's the cool. fact is when they go to a one wide receiver heavy set and they're going to run, the wide receiver is always Nikhil Harry. Hmm. So which at least weird. he can freaking do something. Which is weird because Bourne would, was the guy who – that was his thing. Yeah. It was his thing. With Rieger, it's like we're getting our nose rubbed in it constantly because they're constantly trying to feed him the ball. Here's a reverse. Here he is on a punt return bobbling it and running backwards. And like, like if he was just not on the field at all, he'd be like, eh, it's a bust. Like this is the bust that keeps on busting. Yeah, the Patriots, have. Uh, they tried two weeks ago with Harry, and that didn't work, and so last week they made him a healthy scratch. So I think that that, uh, I think that, that experiment is over. Right. And uh, I can't imagine anybody even – that would be fun. <laughs> Let's do that. That would be great, actually. Um, that would be a hilarious trade because I would be really curious what would happen. <laughs> um, and the Eagles would have a reason to like a good blocking wide receiver yes. since their running game has become such a big part of the game. I mean, I can't imagine at this point, um, at least Harry's been around for like one more year of sucking than Rieger has. So I feel like you could at least get a low pick for Rieger. At this point, I can't imagine any team even giving up a low pick for Nikhil Harry. No, no, you're right. Uh, he's like halfway between Rieger and JJ Ortega Whiteside. Like the. the the worst elements of both of them uh, in one player. Yeah, the, the Patriots have a long history of bad wide receiver drafting, but the, the Eagles have decided to compress the bad receiver drafting into just the last couple of years. And yes, as an Eagles fan, there is also the constant reminder that they took Rieger over Jefferson as well as J.J. or Sega Whiteside over D.K. Metcalf, but the Patriots took Nikhil Harry over D.K. Metcalf. So. Yes. Um, the, the fact is about D.K. Metcalf, is that there were reasons to question DK Metcalf coming into the league. There were reasons to believe that this guy may have been a workout wonder who couldn't really play wide receiver. What upsets me is taking Nikhil Harry over someone like Debo Samuel, where there were none of those questions. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Like, I feel like we've all decided to go back and retcon DK Metcalf as if he was this perfect wide receiver prospect. And how could any team pass up on DK Metcalf? Like go back to what was actually being written about DK Metcalf at the time. And you'll find there were a really wide variety of opinions about this guy. He, he missed half of his final season with a foot injury and he shows up like bulked up, like he's ready for a Marvel movie. And it's like, this guy's just going to keep injuring his foot. He's just going to be David Boston. The and everything. There was like, Oh, you could be David Boston only without David Boston's good year. <laughs> and Terry McLaurin was a third round pick in that same draft. Also true. But so he was also was a great receiver. A backup or like a, the number three guy at Ohio State. So. Right. So there were reasons to for him to drop to third round. But yeah, Nikhil Harry is and 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 JJ Arcega Whiteside are both, I think, fairly like regrettable picks. Um, Mike Kurtz, let's talk about Cincinnati because we have a couple of pre uh pre-game uh questions here about Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. But Mike Kurtz says, what do some of the horrid quarterbacks this year, like Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield, and Tua, look like if you give them Cincinnati's wide receivers? DVOA suggests it is the wide receivers elevating Burrow. 
not vice versa. The first thing I'll say is just, just to point out, Tua has had some bad games like this week was terrible, but Tua overall has not sucked that bad. Like in the framework of what they have him do, he's been good. It's just that the framework is limited and the framework exposes the idea that he can't do anything more than that. But in that framework, he's been good. Cincinnati, I will say, if you look at at uh, Burrow, one of the reasons his DVOA is really low is he takes a ton of sacks, but their offensive line sucks. So this could definitely be a place where that's not the quarterback's fault. Also, they are second in the league in yards after the catch after the 49ers. Mm -hmm. So in that way, he has been heavily dependent on his receivers. I mean, I think there's no doubt that um, I would rather have Cincinnati's wide receivers than Cleveland's. I would rather have Cincinnati's wide receiver health than the Giants. Like, um, I probably would rather have Cincinnati's wide receivers than the Giants, but I certainly would rather have their health. Yeah. Um, and that no disrespect to Jalen Waddell, I'd rather have the Cincinnati wide receivers than the Miami wide receivers. Although if Will Fuller could ever freaking stay healthy, Fuller, Waddell, and Parker is a nice trio. Mm-hmm. And Jusecki. Uh It's almost like the Bengals are the most uh, fully evolved form of what the Giants thought they were doing, and to a degree, maybe the Dolphins thought they were doing this year. And I guess the short answer is all of those quarterbacks would be improved, but Tua would still be stuck behind this offensive line, which is worse than the Bengals' line. I'm not sure what Baker Mayfield's decision-making process is at this point. Maybe that is the solution. He looked so bad the other night. Like, I understand his shoulder is hurting. Yes. Uh, the other shoulder and that that affects he has looked so bad over the second half of this year in the decision making process. Yes. So do great receivers cure that or not? I don't know. He's played himself out of the fifth year option. I think, you know, he's, he's not, not, you know, he's going to have to, it's kind of the worst case scenario for both the Browns and Mayfield. Cause now, now there's no certainty going forward. It's, it hasn't been bad up, enough. Right. They've, they've accepted the fifth year option. He's coming back next year. Right. Yeah. So the, I, I meant, sorry. So I meant the long-term extension. Like, oh yeah. Totally totally played yeah. Himself out of the long-term extension. Oh yeah. Exactly. They blew that. And that's worst case for both situations. Cause now the Browns don't know what they have in the future. Mayfield doesn't know what he's got in the future. A funnier and fun times in 2022 in Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. That was exactly it. One of the good questions we got before the show was from Box Score asking When Baker Mayfield is backing up Joe Burrow, will he do funny office style ads portraying him as the backup? Well, why would he start doing funny ads now? He hasn't done it yet. Oh, they're okay. They're okay. You don't like him? No. What do you think? What do you think of Patrick Mahomes as the sneaker nerd? I don't, I'm not a fan of that one either. There's not, there's not a lot of character there. I mean, when, when you talk about the best, the uh, the best uh, NFL commercial actors, you have there's a character that they're playing. You know, Peyton Manning was kind of like the lovable doof to a certain extent, and mm-hmm. uh, Patrick Mahomes hasn't found that character. Like, what what is what is his stereotype? What is what is what is the larger life version? John Madden and all the uh, like Miller Light ads back in the eighties, you know, was like you know the lovable bar idiot. To a certain Aaron Rodgers, interestingly enough, plays an obnoxious, self-possessed asshole. And you know, he works. You have to find what speaks to you. <laughs> and Gronk That's plays a good like character for him. Um, where were we? <laughs> Shopper 13 asked in the most recent prop watch, Mike said Burrow at plus 650 for CPOY was a schmuck bait. But considering that Burrow leads Dak in pretty much every counting and efficiency stat except for DVOA and also has recency bias in his favor, is it really that unlikely that he would win it? Well, I will say you wrote that before Burrow's last two games. Yes. And he is plus 110 now. So if you got it at plus 650, you should be feeling pretty good about yourself because his odds are increasing. And um, I don't know. I'll call Hub and see if he considers this a comeback. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he has strong opinions. Anyway, let's, uh, again, it boils down to when everyone places those votes, do they consider a guy who came in as a rookie, had a couple of okay games, got injured, then had a breakout season, is that in the comeback place in, in, in the definition of comeback? And I would imagine that in a lot of voters' minds, they're still saying, no, 
that's breakout player of the year or most improved player. Or and there's all these other categories and there's like weird little side categories and, and giving them things like that. That's where we're going to place Barrow's season. And Prescott, right. the, the, the mind was made up when he had like three or four good games. If you weren't great, if you were not great before the injury, mm-hmm. does being great after the injury make, is it a comeback or is yeah. it just. I'll give you an extreme example. What if Travis Etienne runs for 1,500 yards next year? Would people consider that comeback player of the year? Now, of course, Burrow did play, but is that a comeback or is that like, well, here you are. Welcome to your rookie season. McGahee did that many, many years ago. I don't think he was taken seriously. So that's the gray area we're in, and I don't have a vote, but that's what you have to prognosticate when you're figuring out who's going to win that award. Yeah. Yeah, plus the, the severity, the, the, the visceralness of the injury plays into that too. Yeah. Prescott's ankle was was so much more immediately, I don't want to watch this ever again, compared <laughs> to Joe Burrow. I mean, he had a, he had a horrible uh, a knee yeah, tear, yeah. but it didn't, you didn't have that same kind of immediate visual impact. Right. And it was a superstar or like a high level superstar versus a ro- struggling rookie, which which is what Burrow was at that point when he got hurt, a struggling rookie getting the hell beat out by Washington, hell beat out of him by the Ravens. And it's like, oh, well, that was awful. See you next year, kid. Not like, oh, man, this was the moment. And then it fell apart. So mm-hmm. here's another uh, question that will get us to Cincinnati eventually. Mm-hmm. Joey sucks before the show. Who would you prefer your respective teams face in the first round of the playoffs? Assuming San Francisco makes it in, which they're not necessarily going to, but it's funny because each of the things that San Francisco needs is a less than has a less than even chance of happening, but there's a better than even chance that one of the two things will happen. Yes, we, yeah, we actually calculated exactly that before the show, and it was. Hellacious because we kept messing it up. It's not exactly the calmest experience as a Fortnite fan going into week 18. You know, you need two slightly improbable, one of two slightly improbable things to happen. You don't need both of them. You don't need an Atlanta win and a San Francisco win. You just need an Atlanta win or a San Francisco win. And I believe the games are at the same time. They are, yes. They they, they got moved, so that happens. Um, Let's assume San Francisco is in. Who do you want in the first round? The Rams. Because if San Francisco's in, they probably have just beaten the Rams. And they would have beaten the Rams earlier in the season by a huge margin. And they'll have, I think it'll be six straight wins over the Rams. So if we're just coming, if the Niners are just coming off of a big win over the Rams, run it back. Uh, right. That now, would require Seattle beating Arizona. It, yes, it would. But that, right? that's, and then and then um and then the it. Rams the Rams would win the NFC West despite losing. And the 49ers might get them in the first round. Exactly. Um, now, t- you th- teams that play together t- for a third time, I, l- I looked this up this week, they're only 12 and 8. If they, the, the teams are 2 and 0 against teams, they're only 12 and 8 in that third matchup. So it's not like mm-hmm. it's a guarantee you beat someone twice, you beat them a third time. Right. But of all the possible outcomes, that's the one I want to see more because I could, I'm just imagining the Bucks wide receivers attacking the Niners cornerbacks and there's no answer there. Or... Well, there aren't that many Bucks wide receivers left. That's the thing about that is that, right, there's no – at this point, their top three wide receivers are going to be Evans, Grayson, and Tyler Johnson. Yeah. I still uh, – after the Rams, I still would rather play the Cowboys than I would play the, the Buccaneers. And maybe that's just fear over Tom Brady – or maybe that's fear of a week of Tom Brady versus Jimmy Garoppolo takes. I don't know, but I'd rather <laughs> I'd rather take the Cowboys second, and the Cardinals would be the last thing I want to play just because they crushed the 49ers. They 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 destroyed them with their with their backups. I don't want to see that again. I'm good. I've seen that twice. I'm done. Move move along. Who do you want to see at quarterback for the 49ers moving forward? For this week and this week only. If Jimmy Garoppolo is 100% healthy, I want Garoppolo. He's okay. beaten the Rams repeatedly. And he, and right now, Lance's biggest issue is like processing. He takes a little longer time. And against the Rams, what, what's beaten the Rams week and over again has been those quick throws, those, those very fast, open stuff. And Garoppolo's been better at that. And we'll get to this tomorrow when we preview games. The Rams are 27th in DVOA against passes in the middle of the field. And what's, the, what's the, one of the big advantages of Lance over Garoppolo, his ability to throw to the sidelines. Yeah. Yeah. So against the Rams, that's not as valuable as it is against other teams. That's just a match of pick. That being said, if Garoppolo isn't 100%, yes, I want Lance in there. 
So Useful was first says, call me crazy, but as an Eagles fan, I would not mind playing the Rams in the first round of the playoffs. So Mike, who do you want as an Eagles fan? Who would you think is the best matchup for the Eagles? Well, the Rams' defense is fourth in DVOA. Excuse me, they're fifth in, D in rush DVOA. So I want to. I, I, my first thought is I want a team that doesn't stop the run well. Unfortunately, the Packers are the only bad run defense or not great run defense in the field. You're not going to get them, obviously, in the first round. I'm going to go with the Cardinals. I know uh, uh, Jim was suggesting the Rams, or somebody was suggesting the Rams. My concern is every Rams loss looks the same. You're hoping that Stafford throws a couple of interceptions deep in his own territory, and then you convert that. Otherwise, I don't think you're going to, to, to match up player for player against them as the Philadelphia Eagles. I kind of like the Cardinals. I like the inconsistency going into this game. I like the fact that they could – trip over themselves very easily and put you in a position to win. I don't necessarily see that from the Rams. Don't see that from the Buccaneers at all. And I don't necessarily see that from the Cowboys either, a team that beat the pants off the Eagles earlier. And we'll probably do so again in week 18, mostly because the Eagles are going to rest guys probably due to COVID. Well, it's funny because I run the um, I run the playoff thing, right? What's the playoff and the Super Bowl leverage of every game? Mm-hmm. The leverage for the Super Bowl of the Philadelphia-Dallas game is almost non-existent, mm -hmm. even though both teams are in the playoffs. Right. Like the difference that it makes for whether each team makes the playoff is almost none. Right. It's yeah. the difference between the fourth seed or the slim chance, super slim chance at the second or slim chance at the third for the Cowboys. And Eagles are like this pick, pick your poison, go out there. And I'm not going to say they're jobbers. In the, in the well, I don't know why they put that game in the Saturday night spot. Because there's nothing else to put. That's that's the problem. Everything else affects other things. That game stands yeah. on its own. That well, it's true. And it's Dallas, and Dallas has the big viewership. Yes. Um, for the Patriots, I don't think there's any question, and I don't think you need DVOA for this. They want Cincinnati. Like, you're, if, if you're, you're thinking chewing, wild card, by the way. You're thinking if, wild card. I'm thinking, right, the Patriots do have a chance to win the division, and the Patriots even have a chance at the one seed. I don't think it's likely. I'm going to say that the Jets do not beat the Bills, and I'm thinking, wow, if, if the Patriots ha actually win the division, then I think that you want um, – then I think you want the Chargers because you've already beaten them pretty handily. But if the Patriots win the wild card, which I think is more certainly more likely, between the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Bengals, there's no question you want the Bengals. And it's not just because DVOA. You know, I wrote a big thing this week about trying to go into why does DVOA have the Bengals lower than conventional wisdom? But I think conventional wisdom pretty clearly has the Bills and the Chiefs ahead of the Bengals. Like, you don't feel like the Bengals have a great defense. And as good as Burrow and his receivers have been, that offensive line, you can get to Burrow with just four guys. You don't need to blitz Burrow, which means you can put guys in coverage. You can probably do the thing where you put J.C. Jackson on T. Higgins and you double chase constantly. Yeah. And it seems like the kind of team that Belichick could do Belichick, Belichick mind games with. Right. Whereas with Buffalo and Kansas City, I feel like, Allen and Mahomes have the ability through their personal athletic ability to overcome Belichick mind games. Right. right. Burrow is much more of a thinking quarterback than he is an athletic wonder. And I could just see, oh, we're going to mix up the uh, the defensive line fronts. We'll run some stunts. We're going to attack, which is what the Chiefs did a lot early in the game. And we're going to attack that uh, Bengals five-man and only five-man all, at all times pa uh, pass protection. And we're going to get Burrow on the run, and we're just going to force some mistakes. I could definitely see that happening. Right, and I don't feel like the, the the Bengals' defense doesn't particularly scare me as a Patriots fan, given that the Patriots' offense has been very efficient. Right, right. They don't go deep much, but they've been very efficient. They've been good against. You know, they run the ball uh, well. I, you know, I. There's no question of those three teams. The one I want is Cincinnati. I, I'm scared of the Bills and I'm scared of the Chiefs. You should want the Raiders. You should want to win the division and get the Raiders. Oh well, I, okay. What what would I really want? Yeah, okay. Win the division and get the Raiders. Well, what I really would want is the number one seed. Yeah, there you go. Go Texans. <laughs> go, go go Texans. Go Broncos. 
right? On I Dasher, a, on Dancer. Win and a Broncos win and a Jets Patriots win. win and a Jets win. Yeah. It doesn't matter what happens to Cincinnati. But you need those four things, I believe, for the Patriots to get the one seed, and it's got like a one percent chance of happening. Yeah. Never say never. Not gonna happen. Never say never, but it's not gonna happen. Okay, a couple questions ago, CCX3 asks us to subjectively don't look at any numbers, rank the upset chances of these teams: Seattle, San Francisco, Chicago, and Detroit. And that gets us to another question from before the show from Jim Steckschulte. How scared should I be that Cousins will not clear protocols and miss Sunday's game, thus duping the ownership by winning their third straight game, duping the Bears' ownership into not firing Nagy and Pace? I think Nagy is toast. Yeah, I, I actually looked up the past to see if any Bears coach had the late streak, and that was like the, the logic for keeping them. And, and it hasn't happened. You know, John Fox won a couple games late in his – final season if anybody could have leveraged that into i'm headed in the right direction it was be john fox uh, they were not fooled by that uh, uh dick Duran did not do that if you go back i think wanstat did it in one of his seasons like i think it was 96 uh he had a couple of wins and uh, late in the year and then they kept him around for like four and 12 four and 12 of course he had a, a you know a, a history of uh, uh with the with uh, being a well-regarded coach. I don't think the McCaskies, and remember, it's been the McCaskies for pretty much all that. I don't think they're going to be fooled by that. I think you're right, Aaron. Nagy's toast. I think Pace is, co is, is toast. Her beat reporter, it is Cousins versus Fields. Ooh. That makes it quarterback of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Quarter randomized uh, quarterbacking. Jim, Jim Schulte says, I also think Nagy is toast and that they have not fired him publicly because they are also firing Pace and do not want to have the appearance of anarchy. I would say that a winning streak is more likely to save Pace's job than it is to save Nagy's job at this point in time. So, yeah, because Nagy's gone, but Pace might be able to cling on to something like, oh, you know, I drafted this quarterback and look at how things have gone here. Now we just got to get the right, right people in place. But they went with Foles and Dalton. So it's even yeah. like, like I, I got three quarterbacks and each of them won a game. Look at me. You know? So which of those upsets do you think is most likely? San Francisco, Seattle, Chicago, and Detroit. Subjectively? Subjectively. Uh, I, think, I think I'm going with – I think I am going with Chicago. I saw Minnesota kind of uh, – kind of flail around aimlessly in a way that in Mike Zimmer's post-game press conference really feels like a guy who knows I'm done here and I'm just playing up the stretch and I'm getting out as opposed to Nagy who might have to off something like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a high note. Just right. show everyone who, how wrong they were for getting rid of me kind of thing. Right. I mean, I'll go with San Francisco because they've got the yeah. most to play for and they're playing. Yeah. Objectively, sure. Subjectively, they're last. I'm terrified. Uh, I, I am. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to lose by 60. You're not buying the, the Shanahan owns the Rams idea? No, not not this week. <laughs> this week, I, I, the Niners can't miss the playoffs, and so they will. That's where I am subjectively. Right. And Detroit could get – remember, Packers, I know LaFleur saying I'm, I'm going to make them play. He's going to make them play a series or two. Yeah. Uh, and, and the Lions are going to go out there, like, hungry to, like, make a statement. So I wouldn't have put past them either to go beat the Jordan Love. Experience. Yeah, I think I think I would put San Francisco one because they're a really good team and that has something to play for. And then two, I would put Detroit because Green Bay has nothing to play for. Yeah, right. That makes sense. And Dan Campbell's done a heck, heck of a job this year. Don't I mean, don't you feel good about Detroit going forward? Like you feel good about Campbell. Like, yeah. you, you, you know, there are some building blocks. The most important one isn't there, unfortunately. They need a quarterback. And again, they're going to be stuck with the number two pick in um, – they're going to be stuck with the number two pick in a bad draft for quarterbacks. Right. But CCX3 says it's kind of odd, honestly, that Detroit isn't favored. Well, I mean, Jordan Love has something to play for. He's got something to prove. Right. And we don't know. Goff hasn't been healthy. A lot of there have been unbelievable amount of injuries in Detroit. So it's hard to say, even if they go in full strength, what full strength is for them at this point. Yeah. yeah. Here's another question from before the show, and good good discussion uh, from Swimming Totoro. Uh, grumble, grumble, angry coaching country music noises about DVOA hating the Titans. But actual question: Who is your coach of the year, and why? 
I feel like there isn't really a consensus candidate like most of the other awards, and you can make a good case for a lot of coaches. Yeah, I do not freaking know what to do with this one. So I, I'm, I've got a number of names going through my head. Okay. Well, what do you guys think? Uh, I think it kind of comes down to uh, Zach Taylor, uh, Matt LaFleur, and Mike Grable, and some combination of those three are probably your top guys. But the, the problem is – the problem with Taylor is that anything you say nice about the Bengals game, oh well, that's because they have Jamar Chase. That kind of that kind of washes away Joe Burrow's comeback player and washes away Taylor's head coaching. The fact that you can point so much to one individual player kind of does take things out of the coach. And same thing with Lafleur. Well, if Aaron Rodgers wins MVP, you know, because he's still got forty nine votes, he could still possibly win. Uh, you know, <laughs> then you know, then, 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 does that take away from the idea of the coach winning? Just how. Bill Belichick did not win so many Coach of the Years because, oh, he's got so many talented players, right. et, cetera, et cetera. So maybe that leaves Rabel by process of elimination with the Titans still. And I know they got negative DVOA, but they they're look to get the number one seed despite having no Derrick Henry for the back half of the season. They've overcome, they've overcome a, a significant number of, of difficulties to get where they are. See, by hub logic, then you have to vote for LaFleur because he put up with Rogers and I, and I don't necessarily hate that because there's probably a lot of management that goes yes. on there. And also he has dealt with the loss of Alexander, loss of Bakhtiari, uh, the, the loss of uh, Zedarius, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. I think it's Lafleur. I think that you, there's only one team that has a, a, a guaranteed first round buy. Uh, they were without their quarterback for a while. Their quarterback has been impersonating Alex Jones for part of the season. And he has managed all of this plus multiple injuries, plus the fact that the DVOA does not, seem to think that this is a phenomenal team or did not before last week. I think that means right, they've won some close games, right? And yes. the idea that coaching matters in the, in the, in the close games. Right. Right. Um, my, my, I, I just don't, I just don't buy Zach Taylor. I just don't, mm-hmm. I just don't buy it. I'm, I'm, I just don't feel, he just doesn't put, give off coach of the year vibes to me. I, I watched too much of Joe Barrow saying, come over here, come over here. You go th- th- b- 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 before the play to be like, oh, Zach Taylor's doing it here. Um, my feeling about LaFleur a little bit is, um, my feeling about LaFleur a little bit is, if Aaron Rodgers is the MVP, which is where I'm leaning, mm-hmm. do we feel like the Packers are good enough that they've had both the coach of the year and the MVP? Like, who's overcome the injuries on that team? Has Aaron Rodgers overcome them or has LaFleur overcome them? I mean, um, when you see Zul Douglas playing well, when you see Campbell playing well, that's not Aaron Rodgers' a sparkling personality. No, that's that's not really Lafleur. Well, it could be Lafleur. I mean, Lafleur is the motivator, but he's not the defensive coordinator, obviously. I mean, but isn't it? I mean, it's the staff award. I mean, right. I mean, is that right. how we're going to parse it at this point? Um, I was thinking of Reich, but I think losing to the Raiders hurts that. Okay. Significantly. Yeah. yeah. Interestingly enough, a lot of people in the comments are bringing up Belichick. I'm also thinking of Belichick. And I feel like losing to the Colts, um, I feel like losing to the Colts is hurts Belichick less than losing to the Raiders hurts, hurts Reich. Right. Agreed. And um, I'm kind of leaning a little bit towards Belichick. I think to do, let's assume Belichick wins this week over Miami. If Belichick loses to Miami, no. Let's assume they beat Miami. He didn't win the number one seed, but he lost the division on the tiebreaker with a rookie quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like this is a really good team considering that they have a rookie quarterback. And I think to manage that has been one of Belichick's best coaching jobs. Yeah. And I do think that that's worth a discussion as well. I agree. I agree. I can think of another coach who had a, very young Alabama quarterback and uh, had a winning season that was unexpected with a, what was supposed to be a rebuilding team. Nick Sirianni, ladies I and absolutely gentlemen. agree. You know, you know that's true. That's true. It's the, yep. the Eagles had had that. Absolutely. But it's one of those um, things where, like in baseball where you got to vote for like t- three, five, ten guys. Sirianni would absolutely get some votes, I think. Yes. Some of the question is, uh, I'm trying to figure out how much to take into account DVOA. In other words, is it a sign of good coaching if you have a really high DVOA because you've put like a constant, efficient, right. really strong product on the field. Or right. is it a sign of the coaching when like Mike Vrabel, you don't 
have a really high DVOA and you've coached the team to these close victories, mm -hmm. right? Like, I mean, he didn't have the receivers in the loss to the Jets and he didn't right. have the receivers in the loss to the Patriots. And I don't think he had the receivers in the loss to the Texans. But if you look right. at the rest of the year, he's overcome. Like Tennessee's DVOA isn't great the rest of the year either, no. but he's overcome that to win close games. Which is more indicative of coaching the of coach of the year overcoming the performance of your players or creating the performance of your players? And, and I think you have to put the injuries into account because if you're overcoming your starters, that's on you. But if you're overcoming the loss of your starters, then mm -hmm. that's a sign that you've done something successful coaching wise. Yeah, uh, Bengals variance argues against Taylor. Correct. I think a little bit. Yeah. I think a little bit because unlike the Titans, they don't have injuries to blame for the variance. No, no. Um, Hitchhiker's Hot Gut Pie says Arians has great DVOA, but is by far the most conservative coach in the league and mismanaged Antonio Brown. This is a Tomlin appreciation message. Tomlin's had a great year. With that Tomlin's had a great year. <laughs> And here's an interesting thought, which is um, from Hitchhiker's Pie, Rodgers has by far the most wide open receivers, according to SIS. I think a lot of that is Mike LaFleur's scheme, and thus he is more coach of the year in my mind than Rodgers' MVP. I thought that said MILF scheme, and I'm like, what? what is what is that? What is a MILF scheme? I don't know. I don't, good night, folks. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, and that's the thing. You have to go with feel at some point. And when you vote, Aaron, you'll have to go with feel to a yeah. degree yeah. because there's so many subjective factors to coach of the year. And this yeah, is, really is. This, this not a right answer this year. That, 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 that's the bottom line. There are three or four guys who probably could deserve it and no one who's running away with it. So there's not really a wrong vote here. I mean, I feel this way about all the awards, but coach of the year in particular is one where I wish we were voting for three people and giving like five, three, one, the way they do for awards in baseball, right. rather than just voting for one guy. Although even there, there are more than three good candidates. No, I'm not voting for Dan Campbell. Sorry. <laughs> he, he, he lost quotability of the year to Joe Judge in the last four days. So, you know. <laughs> I like Dan Campbell. I like what Dan Campbell is doing. I wouldn't be shocked to vote for him in the future. This is not the year. Um, so Eagle in Zona asked before the show, the official Carson Wentz victimization index is now part of the multiverse. Okay, <laughs> back to football outsiders. Is there an extrapolated DVOA over time? The Eagles started at 20 and moved to 12, and that improvement in the playoffs means such and such. The answer to that is that's what weighted DVOA is for. Right. Like I did a bunch of testing on how to wait each week to try to get it to be more predictive. And it's not that much more predictive than total season DVOA. The difference is very small, but it's it's not you don't want to look at like just the last few games. You still want to look at like a 10 or 11 game period. Right. And so the answer is weighted DVOA is what you want to look at. And Philly is now 11th in weighted DVOA. Yeah, I can see not wanting to constantly say, oh, and here's another adjustment, here's another adjustment, because you're adjusting your adjustments. So it's like, well, what about this team's special case here? It's like, well, this, is, this isn't for every special. Usually the special case is assigned. If it doesn't fit the form, it's probably going to fall back towards the form. Right. I mean, that's the problem with the Titans is that, in general, I've always only adjusted in the playoff odds report for quarterbacks. Right. And for all the injuries they've had this year, the one position where they did not get injured was quarterback. So it's right. like, you know, I did a playoff odds thing on Twitter yesterday. I did like, well, what if we, what if we gave them a, I just, you know, approximate, I'm like, what if we increase them, you know, 15% for the, having the wide receivers healthy and the defense healthy. And then I also docked Tampa Bay because they're now without right. Godwin and Brown. And it absolutely made the Titans the number four team in the playoff. Like it absolutely improves the Super Bowl odds for the Titans to consider them. But I just don't know how much those guys mean because like what I wrote about yesterday is the games that had all their guys healthy were like three months ago. Right. And they weren't, a lot of them were not spectacular victories. 
Like, right. I mean, like in order better. to really feel like they're spectacular, you have to basically write off week one, like the week right. one loss to Arizona, because that was a big loss. Right. So you have to really cherry pick games if you're a Titans fan. If you want to get the Titans up and you want to really just cherry pick games, you can. Mm-hmm. But then don't other teams have a right to do some yeah. cherry picking of games too? Yeah, cherry pick some Bengals games and see what that looks like. Some Bills. Right. Games. I mean, uh, you know, some teams like the Patriots have not really had many injuries. It, it, it's a hard argument to make as a Patriots fan that you should somehow uncherry pick the Colts and Bills losses. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, the thing about weighted DVOA is that I do it the same for every team. So when it says that a team has gotten better, and by the way, the Titans are one of the teams that has gotten better by weighted DVOA because you the Arizona game is now out. Right. Right. But you know, when you say oh, a team's gotten better over the course of the season, I know I'm treating all the teams the same. Keep putting your thumb on the scale, and you get a good measure of the weight of your thumb. Yeah. Um, another question about from Eagle and Zona about the Eagles, by the way, he wanted to know about the DVOA scores in the Bucks Eagles game. Philly was about to get the ball back to possibly drive for the game winning score. And then a taunting penalty occurred. I think Philly has a better chance this time around to beat them. Am I nuts? Well, I will say I had to go back to week six because this game is like week six. Yeah. Uh, no. Philadelphia only had a post-game win expectancy in this game of 3%. The taunting penalty on Gerald Avery came after a two-yard run on first and 10. So the Bucks would have still had second and eight. So all they needed was eight yards to convert and keep the ball, which is what they got on the next play anyway. So I don't think that that taunting penalty like really made a huge difference for the Bucks and the Eagles this year. Right. I don't know. I mean, we were talking about which team you want to face in the playoffs, and, you know, how do the Bucks feel? They've got a very strong run defense, so that doesn't feel like a great matchup for the Eagles. Right. I'm, I'm just refreshing my memory on that game. And it was just like this late Eagles comeback. It was like the Cowboys game, I guess, against Washington a couple of weeks ago, where Washington kind of comes back and makes the score look good at the end. It's like, well, okay, you want to put this opponent away. <laughs> but if you're looking at something like what happens a hundred times, a hundred times, if you play this 97 times, you put them away probably much more so than what you did in this particular case. And then once in a while, yeah, you, you make a spectacular mistake at the end. Eagles only had the ball for 20 minutes in that game. Eagles first half uh, uh, game plan was FUBAR. It was one of their, let's throw a million screens for things. So I think the gap is closed between those two teams, but I'm not going to say, Oh, I would love the chances of the Eagles against the Buccaneers. I mean, the, the thing is that Tampa Bay ended that game with a long, sustained drive. That's right, that's right. And the taunting penalty was part of that drive. But after that taunting penalty, they just kept they just kept sustaining it and sustaining it. Oh, I, did, I was not aware of this. Hitchhiker's Pipe points out, Tampa Bay's rush defense, DVOA, has dropped off loads from the start of the season and is now only 12th. Well, maybe they are a better matchup than we think they are. I have to look at that, revisit that. The Eagles have beaten Tom Brady before, folks. They have. I mean, Vita Vea is still there. So, I mean, he's, yeah. you know, a big part of the run defense. But, I mean, they've had, again, you know, we want to talk about games where teams have been missing people. Like, how much do we account for games where Tampa Bay didn't have Shaquille Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul? Right. Uh, Levante David has missed the last couple of games for Tampa yes. Bay. Like, how much does that matter? They've had secondary issues all season long. You know? Right. They had against the Patriots, they were down to like guys they had just signed, yeah. you know, which, which is one game, of the reasons right? they barely beat the Patriots back in week four. Right. So it's like, you know, I mean, again, this is comes down to what I said about Tennessee, which is, you know, yeah, they've got a lot of guys who've missed four or five games, but so has the Tampa defense. Like, where do you adjust the Tampa defense to figure out how good they are? I mean, they're not getting Godwin back and they're not getting Antonio Brown back, but they probably are getting Levante David back and the secondary guys have already come back and they're probably getting JPP and Shaq Barrett back. It's a shame Philly versus Tom Brady is overshadowing Philly versus Tom Tampa Bay, possibly their only good playoff enemy. First playoff win, losing streak to McNabb. Oh, and they gosh. Won in the vet before Super Bowl thirty seven. Rondé Barber's Hall of Fame candidacy. Come on down here. <laughs> and the and the actual McNabb puke game, not the phantom McNabb puke game. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot there. 
I don't know. The, the game I always remember Tampa is against the Rams when it was 11-6. So. Oh, gosh. Remember that in 2001? I believe that's the 2001 NFC Championship game. And that was Tampa versus the Rams? The Rams, yeah. Is that after they be, I'm, 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 I'm going to go year before. Home. It's the year before Tampa won the Super Bowl. Okay. When the Rams were still the greatest show on turf before they played the Patriots. And Tampa's defense kept them to 11 points in the NFC Championship game, but Sean King couldn't score. Oh, they still had Sean King as there. Sean King. Oh, my goodness. Quarterback at this was Dungy or was this Gruden? Yeah, this is Dungy's last year then. Dungy's last year, right. Right. Playing a lot of Tampa, too, probably against those guys. And probably getting a great game from Hall of Famer John Lynch. And all, almost almost uh, Hall of Famer uh, Rondé Barber. Almost Hall of Famer. Finally, Rondé Barber. Yes. And Hall of Famer Warren Sapp. And Hall of Famer Derek Brooks. And, yeah. Checkers yeah. Pie says, Ricky Prohl caught the winning TD from Warner in the 99 championship game. No, I'm thinking of is eleven is the eleven six game two thousand one or is the eleven six game ninety nine? Uh, you, you're frying you're frying this old man's memory here. I kind of remember was, that was the ninety nine season. It's funny about that. That was, was ninety nine, not two thousand one. So oh, it's wow. not Dundee's last season. Okay. Wow. Um, Kessel twelve has the seventeenth game enhanced anything for anyone? I wrote about this in the New York Times. It says. A point like last week would have been a perfect ending to this season where you have these teams that so the Eagles have clinched, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, the, the, the Dolphins were eliminated. Oh, the ultimate showdown. The Bengals won this division with this amazing game. Now let's move on to the playoffs. Now we have, like you're, you were talking about, now we have all these games with 14-point spreads. You don't know who's going to be starting, who's going to be resting. This team needs the Jets to win. This team needs the Panthers to win. It had... It hasn't enhanced. It hasn't enhanced anything. I, I feel like a lot of that, though, would have been the case if the season had been sixteen games. It would have been the second to last week that had all the drama. Like a lot of times, it's the second to last week that has all the drama. Yeah, this... Plus, they got, they got the league got a little unlucky with with the matchups this year. I mean, because Rams Niners was was a was a potential uh, NFC West Championship game, and then I so was the Hawks Arizona at one exactly. point, and right. uh, just. It, it, it's unfortunate that so many, like all the AFC games matter because all the good AFC teams are spread out as much as possible over the schedule. That's just unlucky. If, if we instead were having like the Patriots and Bills instead of the Patriots and uh, 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 Dolphins in the last week of the season, we'd be thinking of it a lot differently. It, it just the schedule worked out randomly poorly this year. Well, somewhat randomly. I mean, I think they could have known that the Jets would suck and they should have had the Bills play someone else. But yeah but they try to get these divisional games in and that's fair. And also part of it. And I was lamenting it a lot in walkthrough, like, Oh, here's a, you know, Bengals Browns game. This could decide something. And it didn't decide anything because there's 17 games and all these teams are going to come in around nine and eight. And, and, you know, what ultimately wound up deciding why the, the Browns fell off was, was COVID to a degree. And some of these other teams, because the, the Raiders are still here because they beat a bunch of depleted opponents. So it, I mean, I'm probably just being a fogey and like, this is, this was better before, et cetera, et cetera. It just feels like this created this longer drive. So we're talking about the new Orleans saints as a potential playoff. I feel like the 14 playoff teams has watered things down more than 17 regular season games. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. And I know we all know we're going to 18 regular season games. This is not going to last long before we go to 18 regular season games where the home and away games are matched again. Yeah. It's nine and nine. Mm -hmm. God, I hope we don't go to 16 playoff teams. Probably will. Well, someday probably, but hopefully not yeah. for not for quite some time. Right. Yeah. I, the idea that we'd still be talking about the Falcons as a playoff team right now is, is painful. Yeah. And with that happy note, I'm going to end the show. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for watching. Woo! Thank you for watching the live stream. We love all the questions and comments. Yes, it would be the 82 playoff tournament all over again. Good. Four and five Detroit back. Lions. Coming this offseason, 1982 DVOA. Oh, boy, that's going to be fun. Dan Fouts. Um, <laughs> yeah. John thank Riggins. you, everybody, for watching. Thank you for all the good comments and questions that we got. We really appreciate it. Um, we will be back tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern 
on all these same sources, 1 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you can watch all the shows, whether it's YouTube or Twitch, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we will be act, uh, We will be back tomorrow uh, at 1 p.m. with Vince Verhey and with Parker Fleming to preview Alabama and Georgia, as well as previewing the last regular season weekend, what they're now calling season finale weekend in the NFL because everything's got to have a fancy name. <laughs> uh, thank you all for watching, and we'll see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye, folks. Mark Mosley rules. <laughs>